Hi, I'm Elliot Fishman, and this is the April 2006 CTSS quiz. And uh, what I'm going to do over the next few minutes is review with you 10 cases from April that hopefully you all got right. And we'll look at some of the key differential diagnosis points that allowed us to make the answer. So the first question asked you what was the most likely tumor, and uh, you can see from the choices you know I'm going to show you some hepatic masses, and the first image I show you is a volume-rendered view of the liver, which shows a large hypervascular mass extending from right to left lobe of liver, and on the MIP image, you really see extensive neovascularity. In that scenario, the best diagnosis, of course, is hepatoma. Islet cell tumors can give vascular metastasis, but they would be more vascular and not simply vascular on the basis of these neovascular zones. Cholangios tend to be hypervascular on late phase, maybe five minutes out, but don't have the neovascularity. And metastatic colon cancer are hypovascular lesions. So this is a pretty straightforward and very nice example, also showing you some of the information that you can get from 3D rendering. Let's move to the next case. And in this case, uh, you can see it's going to be something related to the pancreas just on the basis of the questions. And uh, that is the question, what is the lesion in this case? And what you recognize in the first image is a very vascular mass involving the distal body and tail of the pancreas. Well, if you see a vascular pancreatic lesion, invariably it's an islet cell tumor. Occasionally, metastasis from renal cell carcinoma can give a vascular pancreatic mass, but you better be thinking islet cell. In this case, in the volume-rendered image, you see some collaterals because of splenic vein occlusion. And here's the MIP image nicely showing you the collaterals as well. So this is a classic case of an islet cell tumor of the pancreatic tail. Islet cells, they're often large and vascular, invade vessels, metastasis to liver are typically vascular. You can have small islet cells that typically functioning tumors like insulinomas. A case like this is typically a non-functioning islet cell tumor. Okay, let's move on to case three, and this is a cardiac case. And what I'm asking for the best diagnosis, so you can see from the choices, we're focusing on anatomy. And what do you see in this case? You see very nicely the uh, patient's uh, left circulation, the uh, ramus intermedius. You see the left anterior descending. You see a little bit of the circumflex coronary artery. And then the next image, which really is the key image here, you can see that really where the left circulation comes from is off the right main coronary artery near the right cusp. And you can see it's tracking along. You also see stenosis in the left main past its origin, which would be catastrophic. This patient would need intervention because if the left main narrowed anymore, you can have a massive infarct. And CT is the study of choice for looking for accessory or aberrant vasculature of the coronary arteries, which occur in around 1% of patients. Let's stick with the chest in this case, and I'm asking you for the least likely diagnosis. And let's take a look at what we think we're seeing. We're seeing a large mass. It's around the posterior metastinum. Maybe it's in the esophagus. Posterior metastinal masses, and this is a non-contrast study, you got to think neurogenic tumor. You can see subcarinal nodes. You can see submucosal lyomyomas. Uh, in terms of esophageal cancer, you can get large esophageal cancers, but the reason I would say that's unlikely 
is the fact there's no dilated esophagus. If this was an esophageal cancer, the esophagus would be obstructed. So that would be the least likely choice in this example. Let's look at the next case, and here's a vascular case based on history. And I'm saying we have arterial phase imaging in a patient's post-trauma. What are we looking at? Well, without looking at the images, you know that I'm giving you a post-trauma case. What can you have? You can have extravasation. You can have an AV fistula. You can have vessel occlusion. So sure enough, when I give you the images, you see arterial phase. Yet look at the patient's IVC and iliac vessels, rapid opacification. That means this patient has an IVC aorta fistula. Fistulas can be due to trauma, obviously. They can be due to prior surgery. They can be due to pseudoaneurysms or mycotic aneurysms. In this case, it was post-traumatic. The patient had, had prior surgery. And very nice example of aorta IVC fistula. Let's go to the next case. And in this 10 set, I'm really mixing it up. It looks like I'm asking you something that relates to pancreas or spleen. Uh, what's the key finding? And uh, here's a set of images. We'll look at the first image, then the second, both volume rendered. And the key image here shows you a splenic artery aneurysm. Splenic artery aneurysms occur more commonly in women, occur more commonly in women who have had multiple children, occur more commonly in patients with portal hypertension and cirrhosis. Again, up to 1.5 cm, most people will watch. Over 1.5 cm, people will treat surgically, but more commonly with embolization. And that was the best diagnosis in this case. Another vascular case. The patient has a large IVC, and why? There are a number of reasons of big IVCs. You can have clot due to tuber, which expands the IVC. You can have deep inspiration, the IVC distends. Poor cardiac function, like reflux of contrast down the IVC from poor right-sided heart failure. You can have a large IVC if it's filled with thrombus, like a renal cell growing into the renal vein and then into IVC. And in this case, what you see is a large heart, poor right-sided function, reflux of contrast into the IVC and hepatic veins. And so the big IVC is because of poor cardiac function. Very, very classic. Let's change directions. Let's go to the musculoskeletal system. I asked you what the best diagnosis is in addition to the patient's fracture. And you can see by the choices, I'm telling you the patient has a fracture, but it's a fracture through pathologic bone. And when you look at the patient's humerus, you see this extensive bony remodeling. The bone is thicker. The cortex is wider. Classic case of Paget's disease with a fracture through pagetoid bone. Good answer. Ninth case, patient has hemoptysis, and I want to know the least likely diagnosis. And let's look at the images. All of these choices, first of all, can give you hemoptysis. And we see two sets of images. What you see in the image as a main finding is infiltration of the left main stem and left upper lung bronchus. You see it's infiltrated, so maybe it's carcinoma. That would be a possibility. Maybe it's a vasculitis, and in this case, in fact, it is Wegener's granulomatosis. That causes narrowing of the airway and results in hemoptysis. This patient eventually occluded the airway. In terms of sarcoidosis, sarcoid gives you nodes. It gives you lung fibrosis. It can give you pulmonary artery stenosis because of fibrosis in the mediastinum. Remember that uh, one of the causes of uh, fibrosis in the mediastinum is indeed sarcoidosis, but 
In this patient, the least likely diagnosis would indeed be sarcoidosis. And finally, let me take you to the 10th case, possible pancreatic mass. You see the choices. What is it? Well, you look carefully at the head of the pancreas. It's low density. Now, low density could mean carcinoma, but it's not the low density of a carcinoma. It's really low density. And there's some fat in place. And we've seen a number of cases now with fatty infiltration of the pancreatic head, which can simulate a mass because of textural changes. I've seen a couple of cases of actual lipomas of the pancreas, and this is simply focal fat. Why it occurs, sometimes variations in vascular flow, sometimes prior pancreatitis, and sometimes we just don't know. So that's April 2006. Those are the questions and those are the answers. Have a nice day.